I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine I walk the line <laughs> we, we uh, uh, equal opportunity. Um, you know, we've used uh, rock music, classic rock music. We used rap for the last series, and you know, now country. If you're a country folk, you know, to to be able to use our our, our buffer and, and really classic country uh, with with Johnny Cash. And maybe some of you are like, why are you wearing all black? You know, you got a funeral or something. Oh, that's why you're wearing all black. Gotcha. You know, just. Uh, we're, 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 we're titling this series, Walk the Line, The Journey of Identity. See, whatever our, our identity is, we will walk the line of that identity. Our actions will match our identity every time. So if our identity is that we are a teenager in America, we'll act like a teenager in America. Whatever our culture says is teenage, what you are as a teenager in America. If we are a parent, we'll act that way. If we are a baseball player, we'll spit and we'll scratch ourselves, right? Because we're a baseball player. We'll act like a baseball player. One of the things that I always loved when I was when I was uh, uh, going through high school and going in college and, and uh, was was somebody to just meet me and go, "Do you play soccer? Because you just look you just look like a soccer player. Whatever our identity is, we will walk that line. And if we're married, whatever our identity is, we'll walk that line. Johnny Cash wrote this song soon after he got married because he was an entertainer and was in the Hollywood scene. And and he quickly saw and understood that his identity as a husband was going to be encroached on because of the Hollywood scene. Let me read you a couple of the verses of Walk the Line. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine, because I have an identity as a husband, because I have a wife, I walk the line. I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I admit that I'm a fool for you because you're mine. I walk the line. I find myself alone when other Hollywood, when other performers, when other entertainers are out and they're not alone when the day is through. I am. Why? Because I'm a married man. I am a husband. I have an identity as a husband and I walk the line because my heart is for you. Whatever our identity is, however we define ourselves, is the line that we will walk. That will be the action that we will take. And so while I listed earlier some things that help to, to describe us, none of those things should define us. Because God alone should be able to have the say in who we are because He created us in His image and gave us His identity. 
in the last series of identity going through Ephesians 1 through 3 and now we change the page into Ephesians 4 and, and Paul changes the page and he teaches us how to walk the line. Walk the line in the journey of identity. And we're going we're gonna to tap into that journey metaphor throughout this series. Sometimes it'll be corny. But you probably have come to expect that. Right, Shelley? Okay, just checking. But if we're going on a journey, if we're going on a vacation, we have to know what direction we're going, right? So if we go to Chicago, we have to know that we need to go north, right? North, north, direction, north, all right? Geography class, you know, high school, or, I mean, that's like second grade. If we go to Little Rock, we need to go... South, down. Are you saying Little Rock is hell? We have somebody from Arkansas in our midst. <laughs> just wanted to piece that together. Right? Just... If we go to Tulsa, we need to go west. If we go to, like, I saw some of you like, Tulsa, 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 Tulsa. <laughs> If we, need to, if we want to go to Nashville, we need to go east, right? We need to go east. We have to have a general direction. If we want to go somewhere, we have to know the general direction in which to head. And Paul gives us this in Ephesians 4.1, the general direction that saints, those, those of us who identify with God as saints, because God has made us saints, what is the general direction that we need to head? Ephesians 4.1 Therefore, and if there's a therefore there, we need to figure out what it is there for. If there's a therefore there, we need to figure out what it's there for. Why is this therefore there? It is there because of everything that Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 through 3. Therefore, because you have this identity as a saint and a faithful follower, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul is real sneaky sometimes when he writes. Real sneaky. He throws this in here. I, I a prisoner for the Lord. If I'm a prisoner for God... And I can walk the line of my identity. Surely you can too. Surely you can. If I haven't given up, surely you can do this. I beg you to lead a life worthy of my calling. Some of you know where I'm going to head. And I'm going to beat this drum as much as I can. Because there's going to continually be new people here that need to hear this. There's one calling. Some of you are like, where is he going? Oh, I know where he's going. There's one calling. There's one calling. This whole thing that you're called to be a minister isn't in the Bible. Well, why do we say it? I don't know. That's a good question. Is this something we've, we've gotten from hundreds of years of, 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 of not reading the Bible all the way through? Nobody in the New Testament or the Old Testament was called to be a minister. When you, you can go home, BibleGateway.com, search call. 
Anytime it's used in this connotation, it is used talking about the calling that we have as a saint and a faithful follower. The calling that we have to salvation. The calling that we have to follow Jesus. That's how it's used every single time. And so all of us have the same calling to be a saint. So instead of little bracelets that say WWJD, what would Jesus do? Maybe it should say WWSD. What would saints do? Because, hey, I mean, Jesus is God, right? What would Jesus do? Ah, uh, probably he'd probably throw a miracle at it or something, right? Like, I can't do that. He'd probably come up with this 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 pithy Sean Connery type of statement that makes everybody think, so he can walk out of the sticky situation. I'm not that good. Like, what would Jesus do? I don't know. He's God. But maybe we can wrap our minds around what would a saint do? What was somebody that was holy, that God made holy? What would a, a saint do in this situation? And this, really, this series is going to answer that question. What would saints do? We would walk worthy of our calling. This is the general direction. Anytime we come into this, this fork in the road, I can do this, I can do this. I am called to be a saint. So what would a saint do? And really, to, to kind of throw another question at this series is, is really we're answering the question, what is God's will for our life? Because 95 to 99% of the time, we are not trying to answer the big questions that's not answered in the Bible. Where do I go to college? What degree program do I do? Who do I marry? What house to buy? You know, those are, are very few. Uh, the, the percentage of those decisions are, are, are very few. Really, the majority of our decisions that we have in everyday life have already been answered through the Bible. And this last part of Ephesians is really answering what is God's will? What is God's stated will that we do not have to argue? We do not have to wonder about? We just have to live out. And Paul is answering, what would saints do? How would saints walk? What would it look like to live the life of a saint? It's not enough just to know that we have the identity of a saint, but what does it look like to actually walk that out as a saint? And this is what we're going to be talking about over the next, this week and next five weeks. But we all know that direction is not enough to get to our destination. Because if we're trying to get to Chicago and all we do is head north, I mean, we could end up in Minneapolis or Canada or the North Pole. Now, at some point in time, like, I mean, I know it's like Windy City in Chicago, but holy cow, there's a lot of snow here. If we just head in a direction, we're not going to get to our destination, probably. We need... A map. We need a road map. Road map is something that you fold out. <laughs> so you have to fold back. <laughs> right? I know GPS and phones. And, right? That way we're all on the same page. We're all the same page. Good. <clears throat> we have to have a map. 
We have to go and find a map and so that we know how to get. If we want to go to Little Rock, we go on 65 and we go through the Ozark Mountains and we puke. And then we get to Conway and we're thankful because we get to Interstate and we're not road sick anymore. And then we get to Little Rock. And we have to know that by finding a map and looking at a map. So what is, what is the map of walking as a saint? Ephesians 4.2 Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is our map as saints. This is how we live. This is how we treat one another as saints. This is how we treat the world. This is how we treat other saints. That we're always humble. Now, humble isn't self-deprecation to the point of turning ourselves into mud. That's not humility. That's actually the opposite. It's actually turning God's image into mud. Humility is not self-deprecation to the point of turning our name into mud. In high school, we were, uh, several of us were on a, I think it was a youth camping trip and whatnot. I, I, I hate camping, but, you know, they were going. So I suffered through it and everything. I, it, my Hilton or Holiday Inn, that's camping. Uh, but we were we were all out there. We were having a good time and laughing with each other and, and enjoying each other and, and everything. And and you know, despite the mosquitoes and the humidity and heat and all the, why would you ever go camping? I bet anyway. <laughs> Focus. Yeah. Um, sweat. I don't know. Sit there. But somebody was uh, somebody was giving me a hard time and said, "Oh man, you're." Real sarcastically, oh man, you're you're so humble. And I, I shot back immediately. I'm I'm humble in my own cocky way. I would never say that in front of a whole bunch of people, you know, just a few people right right there. But the point is, is that humility isn't complete self-deprecation. It's having confidence enough to know, hey, look, I am created by God and God created me out of dirt. However, he created me to be in his image, in his identity, and he breathed the breath of life into me. And because he did that in me, he's done it in you. And because he's done it in you, I treat you, as Jesus said, how I want to be treated. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? You will treat your neighbor as you treat yourself. So if you treat yourself and have this self-image, an identity that is mud, guess what? How you treat other people. Humility is not self-deprecation. It's, it's, it's right 
the right knowing of your place and my place, that we're below God, but we all have his image. And so we treat each other with humility, that we treat each other as if, because they do, have God in, has God's image in them. So we treat people with humility, but we also treat them with gentleness. I was listening to uh, a pastor in, in Atlanta, Andy Stanley, who, 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 called, who said gentleness was matching the strength of the other person. So you see yourself as stronger, or you are stronger, or you have a better position, or higher position, or more power, or more influence, or more whatever. It is Gentleness is taking that strength and bringing yourself to the strength of the other person to leverage your strength for that person. And so somebody is hurting. You're gentle with them. If they're hurting, you don't go up to them and go, would you just get off your butt and do something, right? Maybe you've had somebody do that before with you. When somebody is hurting, you come alongside them and be gentle with them. You match their strength. But if you've got two people who, who, who are strong, who are, who are, who are really uh, growing in Christ, and their, play, their, 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 their life is in a good spot, and, and, and you match their strength, what ends up happening is, is that they can have conflict, and they can kind of fight through some things and argue through some things, but they come out better for it. Why? They're both strong. They're matching each other's strength. And they're making each other stronger because they use their strengths to build each other up. But you wouldn't treat somebody that's going through a tough time that way. You meet them where they are. And you're gentle with them. God wants us to be gentle with each other. There's people that we come across throughout our day who, who, who aren't Christians, who aren't saints, who, who haven't come to know Christ. And we treat saints with gentleness as well. But we also treat them with patience. Be patient with one another. You know, some translations will say long-suffering. If we're gentle with somebody, if we match them and come and meet them where they are, we're going to be patient with them. I'm going to be like, why on earth can you not get this? I'm going to be patient. But we're also not, we're going to make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Ever play the game Operation? Dude with the nose and... You know, those little bitty holes in the metal and the tweezers and you're intense, you're going to get the funny bone and you're going to get in there and, 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 and you're focused in and, and it always gets you because you always jump because you're so focused and so intense. And, ah, 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 ah. <clears throat> right? We don't zap each other. We don't have a slot so narrow that if you fit inside this slot, you're okay. But if you come outside of that slot, ah! Zap. Get you. 
We don't do that. We know the moral police, right? Witch hunts. Now, is it true that we want to be growing? Absolutely. This is the difference between judgmentalism and accountability. Accountability says, you're messed up, I messed up. I love you too much to let you be messed up. You love me too much to let me be messed up. So, let's figure this out together. Judgmentalism says, you're messed up. <coughs> right? No allowance. No allowance. I have to fit inside this really, really tight slot in order for me to like you and accept you. See, what happens is, if we believe that people will treat us with patience and won't zap us for every little thing, if we believe that and we're comfortable with that and we feel safe inside a group of people, we won't put up this fake facade, right? We're willing to be real. We're willing to be authentic. All the buzzwords that we say today. We're, really, we're willing to let our guard down with people because we know that they won't zap us. But they love us too much to let us stay there. But they won't zap us. And if we're inside of this safe place, as far as the safe people, then we're willing actually to risk more. We're willing actually to go out and try more things. We're willing to fail because we know that the people around us won't zap us. They'll treat us with gentleness and patience and humility. And for non-fans to come in here, those of you that, that, that may be like, man, I've been burned by the church and I get the zap thing because I'm zapped and I look at these flesh wounds and, you know, all of this. This is what the Bible says. And we're not going to be perfect. But at the same time, we want to be striving for this as a people together. And we want you to connect with us so that you can connect with God. And we want to treat you with this. This is our standard. This is our map. This is, a, this is where we're headed. This is what we're striving for. See, make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You know, make every effort. Strive. Work for this. Guess what? If we let ourselves go, we're not going to go towards unity. We're not going to go towards peace. We're not going to go towards gentleness. We're not going to go towards patience. We're not going to go towards these things that Paul is talking about. If we let ourselves go, we'll go towards chaos, disunity, cockiness, no patience, zapping people. We have to strive for this. This is, this is an effort. But it is a worthy effort because, because people will feel safe among us.
They'll feel safe. To be able to be real with where they're at. The first thing that Paul talks about is, is, is a unity. We walk the line in unity. A couple words about unity. Unity is not apathy. <clears throat> unity isn't just coming in, sitting, filling a seat, not caring, and saying that's unity. Unity goes in a direction. Unity heads in a direction. Unity and fellowship are, 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 are akin to each other. Fellowship has nothing to do with ice cream socials or potlucks. Whoever came up with that, I, I let a bunch of strangers come into a room, put their food out, and get each other to eat it. That's a great idea. <laughs> there are no health code violations in that situation. We have a potluck the next week, nobody's here. Like, why is that? We're all hurling at home because we foodborne illness. Fellowship is not coming together and eating. <gasps> are you Baptist? Yes, yes. Fellowship is going as unity in a direction. Unity around a mission. Fellowship is a direction. I've used this illustration before. Fellowship of the rings. The teachers sit around and go, hey, look, it's a ring. Cool. We're unified around the ring. Awesome. Why would you spend three hours watching a movie of that? Woohoo! Get up and do something. Fellowship is, around, is unity around a mission, that we're going somewhere, that we're doing something. And so, so, so when we go in a direction, we get passionate about the direction. And passionate people have a tendency to, to conflict with each other and rub on each other. And you know, you know what? Conf, con, uh, conflict is not the opposite of unity. Actually, conflict handled appropriately adds to unity. Conflict used in gentleness. Conflict used with patience. Conflict used with making allowances for each other. Conflict used with peace. Adds to unity, doesn't detract from unity. When, 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 when Super Bowl champions and World Series champions almost always have this story. You know what? There's that moment in the season that we all came together and we had that meeting. We had that talk, and we hashed everything out, and, and, and we got it all out in the air, and we dealt with it. Conflict dealt positively leads to unity, doesn't detract from unity. It is conflict without gentleness, without patience, without peace. Conflict without the concept of unity and striving for unity. It's, it, it's conflict without humility, conflict without making allowances for each other. That destroys unity. And we've all, all, all probably been in that church one time or another or seen that church on TV one time or another. That's not unity. Unity is not apathy, but unity goes in a direction. And the direction is our mission. And that's the road that we take. That's the road. 
Unity, unity around mission is the road that we take. It's not just enough to have a map. To get somebody alongside of you and say, Hey, come here, look. What? Look at the vacation I'm going to take. Oh, we're going to start here in Springfield, and we're going to go down here, and we're going to go over here. And like, great, when are you going? Oh, I, I don't know. I just want to look at the map. Get on the road, all right? To use another country song. Hit the road again. All right, let's go. Get on the road again. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go somewhere. Let's get on the road. And that's the mission. And this is what Paul is talking about in the next verses. For Ephesians 4, 4. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Now, the number one thing, when you sit down and study the Bible and read the Bible for your, yourself, and you're like, ah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, don't, I don't get it. The first thing you need to look for is repetition. What is the author repeating? What concepts is, is, is he repeating here? So <clears throat> we've stepped into an easy one. All right, let's, let's practice this together. We stepped into an easy one. We just read three verses. What is the repeating theme to these three verses? One, right? <laughs> one. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One hope. One spirit. One body. One, 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 one. Our mission is one. Our mission is one. Is to be as one. Centered around the foundational aspects of our oneness. One body. We're one church. We're one church universal. There's a church universal. All saints, all Christians, believers, one billion or so on the planet. One body. But also one body is the local expression of the universal church. That we as Crosspoint are a local expression of the, of the universal church. And we need all these expressions because there's so many different types of people. And it takes so many different expressions to be able to reach different types of people. So we're one body, all together. How are we joined together? One spirit. The spirit is our ligaments. They're our cartilage. They're, they, the spirit keeps us all together. And the spirit is the same spirit that is in me that's in you. And a lot of times it, what, what happens in church is that we think there's like a JV spirit and a varsity spirit. And the varsity spirit are the people we pay. And the JV spirit is the rest of us that just kind of get to watch everybody else do their thing, their calling thing. There's one spirit. The same spirit that's in you is the same spirit that's in me. It's just one spirit. And just like what we just sang about, man, if your spirit goes, I want to go. But if your spirit stays, I want to stay. And in America, that's the hardest thing to do because we want to go. We were founded on going. I'm out of here. I'm going to find something else to do. I'm just going to get in a boat and go. Do something. uh, That sounds like a really bad idea. But anyway, it kind of worked out. It's really hard in America if the Spirit says stay that we don't do anything. We're like, America's supposed to do something. Some of you that have asked questions like, what, why haven't we done this? Well, because the Spirit binds us all together and the Spirit energizes us and gives us life. 
We haven't done that because he hasn't risen people up in such a way to give life to that. We're not going to do things just to do things. We're going to do what the Spirit leads us. And so like the blog parties last year was, sure, getting, getting, getting an idea and getting life around that idea and then other people coming around Cheryl and getting, getting, getting life as well. And the Spirit was rising us up to be able to accomplish this because that was a lot of work. But we had the Spirit, we had the, spirit, we had the life and the energy inside of us to be able to go out and do it and unify around that. But if we did the block parties without the Spirit, it'd be a train wreck because we wouldn't have the energy and we'd burn out and we'd give up and we wouldn't, we wouldn't do what we, were, we needed to do and accomplish what we needed to accomplish because the Spirit wasn't telling us to do that. No one Spirit. And He's not going to speak corporately in isolation. This isn't about following the vision of the pastor. It's not about that. Now, the Bible affirms leadership inside the church. However, it's not about one guy going, this is the vision, let's go. It's about God speaking life into the body and the body going in that direction and energizing us for that direction. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One hope. Hope is certainty of a better future. That you are certain. When you look out into the future, you are certain that the future is going to be better than your past and your present. And the Spirit gives us that certainty that, that our future is going to be better than the past and the present. And some of you, especially if you've been in church in a long time, especially in the Baptist church for a long time, you're like, oh yeah, 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 I got that. That's heaven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, yes, Heaven is certainly going to be a better future than what we got right now. However, that only goes so far in our daily life, right? It only goes so far. We want to be certain that our future here on earth, like before we die, is going to be better. Otherwise, there's not much hope. I mean, like, we come together, and, and, and maybe non-fans kind of feel this way. Like, you're talking a lot about heaven and singing a lot about heaven, like, I'm living in hell on earth right now. Like, how about this earth thing first? Let's get this figured out. Can I get a better future here? Then we'll talk about heaven. See, the great thing about the Spirit is that He gives us a certainty of a better future here on earth, not just in heaven. And that, and that we can have a better life here on earth, not just in heaven. That God intends it that way, that He wants to give us abundant life here on earth, not just abundant life in heaven. That whatever is wrecked right now in your life, that, that, that he has a certainty of a better future of that here on earth. And it's through following the Spirit that we find that. But not only that, that, that because we have the Spirit, that we get the opportunity as saints, as called as saints, that, that we get the opportunity to give hope give a certain better future to other people who have no hope. That He's given us, and we'll talk about this next week, that He's given us gifts to be able to use to be able to bring people hope. Hope floats, right? You girls got that. All right, thank you. They're with me at least there. We have a certainty of a better future future and that we work 
in order to bring that certainty to reality in this world, in this earth. And that we work to bring that reality to people who do not have hope. There's one Lord, there's one Jesus. When we read Lord in the New Testament, it is generally referring to Jesus. There's one Jesus, there's one guy who lived a perfect life, who, who, who died the death we were supposed to die because of sin, who raised from the grave in order to give us life, and who ascended up into heaven and took us with him. And we're going to, we talked about that in Ephesians 2, and we're going to talk about that again next week, that he ascended and he took us with him. Like, oh yeah, he will take us with him. No, 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 no. Read Ephesians 2. If you weren't with us, read Ephesians 2. He took us with him. When we become a faith follower and saint, he took us with him at that point in time to sit with him in heaven. Like, I don't believe it. Just read Ephesians 2. You'll get it. Go back and listen to the, I think it was the third or fourth week. Third week. Big butts week. I'm going to play that out as long as I can. Like, now you got me interested. Anything it takes to listen. Whatever it, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. This is one Lord, and we have one faith in this Jesus. We see things the way God sees them. We see things the way Jesus sees them, and then we act on it. That is faith. See things the way God sees them, and then act on it. And so we have one faith. And again, just like the, the, the um, which one was it, the the. The spirit thing, just like the spirit thing and all of this, there is no junior varsity faith and varsity faith. The varsity faith is watching everybody up here kind of do their thing. And junior varsity faith is us just kind of sitting here. We have enough faith to come and sit here and watch you do your faith thing. No, 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 no. One faith. One faith. Why, why, does, why does it look like that people have, some people have a greater faith and a bigger faith than, than, than others and a different faith than others? Because it's a use it or lose it muscle. So if two people are born with the same size and makeup of a bicep muscle and one person goes and works that bicep muscle out, you know, <sighs> works that out and the other person sits on their couch and watches movies and eats potato chips who will have a stronger muscle the one that works out correct when we work out the faith we all have the same faith but when we work out our faith our faith becomes stronger we take that stronger faith and use it and it becomes stronger it's a snowball effect and those of us because those of us who have a stronger faith because we know there's just one faith what do we do we don't go ah look at your weak faith punyville you know we don't do that we come alongside of them and spot them in their faith right and we encourage them in their faith. And say, you have the same faith that I do. Let me help you strengthen your faith. This is gentleness, right? That's gentleness in action. We have one faith. We have one baptism. And Paul isn't really talking about water baptism. Like, you know, there's one baptism, sploosh, you know. No, he's not talking about that necessarily. I mean, that's the symbol of what he's talking about. But, but, but when we're talking about water baptism, that's John's baptism. What is Jesus' baptism? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism means immersion. 
Immersion in the Holy Spirit. Immersion in God Himself. There's one baptism. There's one immersion in God. I don't have a separate immersion than you. I don't have a varsity version of immersion and you don't have a JV version of immersion. We all have the same immersion in God. God immerses us in Himself. All of us. All of us who are saints. He immerses us in Himself. And we all have that same deal going on. The water baptism is simply, simply to, 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 to symbolize that. That we are immersed in God. We all have one baptism. And one God the Father. One God to Abba, one God to Daddy, one God to Father, who loves us, who made us to be saints, who cares for us, and guides us, and directs us, and gave us Jesus so that we could, we could find salvation, and gives us the Spirit so that we could be guided, and canceled, and energized, and be bound together. This is one. How we flesh this out, here in this local church is that we say we are streaming non-fans to God. We're streaming non-fans to God. That's why we're here. Then we flesh that out by saying we are here to serve. We serve in our daily lives. We serve, we serve as a church. We serve to do this so that, so that non-fans can come in and, and, and feel comfortable and feel safe and, and enjoy themselves and, but also be able to see who God is. And as God continues to write our story as a body, we will continue to see how God reveals to us how He wants us to walk the line, to walk the journey of identity. And as we go out into our workplaces, into our schools, you know what? God is the ultimate CEO. He knows how to run an organization better than anybody. Because in his organization called Earth, he has about 7 billion people right now in it. I think he knows how to run it. If he can figure out how to run that, I think he knows how to figure it out. He created organizational life. And as you go out into your marketplace and into your school, say, you know what, my, my work, I, I am employed by, by a company that has one mission. We have this one thing. This is the one thing that we do. And you, you go out and you give yourself to that one thing. Give out and give, go out and give yourself to that one thing. Be unified in the marketplace around your employer and your employer's one thing. And if you're the CEO, if you're the boss, if you're the owner, if you created the business, you have one thing that you wanted to accomplish. Go out and serve the community through that one thing. And be unified around that one thing. And if you're a worker, sacrifice and give unity into that one thing. Because you know what's going to happen? When you lose yourself into the one thing, you're going to find yourself. You're going to truly find yourself. I think somebody said that, right? Jesus? Our one thing inside the church is God, all right? And if we lose ourselves inside of God, we will actually find ourselves inside of God. So this works out in the marketplace as well to bring great business to our community. And inside the school, give, give yourself to, that, to what the school is all about. Give yourself to your education and work and give yourself to that. 
This works out side the walls of the church because God created organizations and he knows how to run them. We just simply have the highest calling, right? Which is to be the saint. Be a saint. A saint that's unique and set aside for a specific purpose. To be a faithful follower. And next week we're going to look more into that specific purpose for your life and the diversity that comes with, with being a part of, 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 of a body. But right now, I really want us to focus in on, as we have our time of reflection, to focus in on where, where do you struggle maybe? Where, where do you maybe need to repent in this whole gentleness and patience and humility and, 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 and peace and unity thing? And again, it's not about following one guy's vision. It's about losing ourselves in God so that we together can do more than what we would able to do by ourselves. As I was studying for this, I was at a place getting an oil change. News was on it. And I was trying to study for another sermon, so I was kind of in and out on the story. But in California, there was a baseball team that heard a commotion while they were practicing. And they looked over and saw... A, a, a girl, I think it was like a high school age girl, but a, a girl who had been ran over, backed over by a car. And come to find out, it was her mom. I don't know how it happened. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it happened. Like I said, I was kind of in and out until I kind of got engaged at about that point. And the baseball team ran over. And this high school boys baseball team lifted the car off the girl and moved the car and saved the girl's life. They were unified around one mission. Save the girl. And for us, we're unified around that same mission. That we've come together in order for one purpose. Stream non-fans to God. And we give ourselves to that. So that we can have people find life. As we have this reflection time, just consider what, what is God speaking to you and deal with Him in that way and pray in that way so that He can do more with us than He can do with me or you alone. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. I thank You for all that You're doing. I thank You for this this awesome organizational principle that it comes true no matter where we are in life and no matter where we go, that if we play by these rules, we'll see a great, awesome organization. But it's so much more important that inside the church that we get this, that we see you work in lives and bring us together. And and man, we have just scraped the surface of what we can do as as a body here at Crosspoint. Continue to reveal to us. Continue to show us. Send your spirit and join us even farther together. Not about following one guy as in a, a, a person that we see right here and now, but about following you and your mission and, and coming together and sacrificing for each other and sacrificing for you so that we can see a power at work that is greater than what we think or even imagine as we all wrestle with 
with, with what you are saying through your word, just allow us to release and let you work. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us. If you need to talk with somebody, if you need to pray with somebody, Shelly's here, I'm here, grab somebody you trust. Remember, we've all got the same spirit. So any one of us can pray and pray with you and for you and, and be gentle with you so that you can see God at work in your own life. But otherwise, pray through song or stand there, pray, kneel right there and pray. And let God work in you the way that He wants to work.